So it would be like another state, another nation coming in and literally stripping you of everything you've worked for. Everything that's been passed down from generation to generation. That's where they found themselves. Yet God and but God comes in and speaks this word of hope. And look what he says. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. Someone say a new thing. I love that word. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? In other words, it's already happening. Do you not see what's going on? God's always calling us to look and see what we don't see. He's working all the time. Sometimes it's below the surface, but he's working. He says, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. I met my new friend Ian back here. He's from Lubbock, Texas. And we, have a, we understand about the desert up in North Texas in the panhandle. He says, I'm making a, a, making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. That's my God. Amen. Now, also in uh, the book of um, Habakkuk, Chapter 1, another awesome verse that speaks of looking ahead. And it says this. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. I don't know about you, when you walk in a room and somebody's astonished. Now, we had Chris and Casey, my son and daughter-in-law and our kids in. And we did our after Christmas Christmas this last weekend. And there's nothing like watching little Cadence open a present and her astonishment, her amazement. She's like... Super drama queen when she gets something. It's exciting. And she's just like, oh my, this is what I've always wanted. I mean, just really dramatic. Even if it wasn't, that's what she says. And so she makes you feel good for giving a gift. You know what I mean? And the Lord says, look, and be utterly amazed. Be astonished. He says this, for I'm going to do something in your days. Someone say, in my days. Turn to your neighbor and say, in your days. Now, we know there's a historical context here in the book of Habakkuk, and, and we know that, that this was around 600 B.C. before, but there is also a practical application of that which is historical. The Scripture is layered with truth, and in this layer we can unpack it and go, you know, this is the character and nature of God to do something in our days. Amen? Because it's now faith is the evidence of things hoped for. So it's a now kind of thing. He says, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. You know, it's probably a good thing God doesn't tell us everything. Amen? We probably wouldn't believe it anyway. But I have this idea, this attitude, a mindset that God is always working on something. Even if I don't see it on the surface, below the surface, God is working. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to us today. We're listening. Our radar's on. Our antenna is tuned in. We are dialed in to you. And we ask you to speak in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. High five somebody on the way down. Amen. Like I said a minute ago, I don't remember a year where I felt so excited and so hopeful about the new year. And I'm always, I'm a positive person. In fact, when I did the Strength Finders 2.0, if you've ever done that, great, great tool. It gives you your top five strengths out of 34 indicators. And my third top strength is positivity. So I'm wired that way. But yet, this year seems different. I don't know if it was because 2010 was such an odd year for us culturally and as a nation and even on the worldwide scene. But for whatever reason, coming into 2011, I've just had this heightened sense of expectation. You know what that's called? It's called faith. In other words, I don't just think or hope that something's going to work out and be good. I actually expect things to work out and be good. That's a difference. It's the difference between wishful thinking and having a true biblical 
idea of hope. And the biblical idea of hope is that I'm truly expecting. So for 2011, I've just got this great expectation that things are going to happen. Things are going to snap and pop. And already as we start into this new year and getting plugged into Dallas and helping them and getting excited about doing something bigger and outside of Abilene gets my blood pumping and gets me excited about the potential for what God wants to do. By the way, this church plan in Dallas isn't just about Dallas. It's actually the mentality is we're not planting a church, we're planting a movement. And so the idea is that we're going to be looking at planting in San Antonio and other Texas cities that do not have an every nation presence. And so this is, this is only the beginning of many opportunities for us to be involved and in being on the ground floor of. And that ought to get you excited about advancing the kingdom. Amen. So 2011 has just got a lot of hope for me and a lot of expectation. Now, again, it may be because 2010 was an odd year or it could be that God is up to something. Amen. See, I believe he is because even though he hasn't told us everything, I'm going to be utterly amazed and astonished anyway. And I'm just going to begin to believe, God, you want to do something unique in this coming year. I love what some of the great faith evangelists and faith teachers say. Something good's about to happen to you. Something good's going to happen to you today. Amen. Do you believe that? Amen. It's more than lunch. Amen. Let me give you a quote. Joel Barker, you may have heard of him. He actually wrote some of the books that precipitated a phrase that was made popular in the late 80s and throughout the 90s. And we still just become actually a part of our of our normal language today, particularly in the business arena. But really, it's it's transcended the business arena. And he came up with this idea of paradigm shift. Paradigm is your worldview. It's how you see things. He wrote a book that, that precipitated and then started a whole landslide of books where he talked about the need for changing our mind or changing our perspective and changing the way we see and do things. In other words, he came back and said, we, got, we need to question things because there may be a better way to do what we're doing. And I love that mentality. Amen? By the way, that's number two on my strength finders. I'm a maximizer, so I always think there's a better way to do it. There's a better, we can maximize, we can build a better mousetrap. I, I stay awake at night thinking like that because that's a part of who I am. But listen to this quote by him. If you look on the screen, he says, Vision without action is a dream. Kind of sounds like the book of James. Faith without works is dead. Vision without action is a dream. Action without vision is is simply passing the time. Man, you're just staying busy. You ever just felt busy, but you're not going anywhere? Working, tired, exhausted. Somebody wants to go do something, you're like, oh, no, I'm just too tired. I'm just too busy. Christmas is one of those weird seasons where everybody sounds like they're more busy, but when you actually look at it, we're really not. It just seems like we are. It's a mentality. It's a paradigm that needs to be shifted. And look what he says. Action without vision is simply passing the time. Action with vision is making a positive difference. So we don't want to just have vision because we do want to look into the new year. We do want to look ahead and see what's ahead. We do want to be able to dream, but we don't want to just dream. We want to execute. Amen. So here's the deal. I want to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you to do something. And I want you to, to answer this statement. And if you're taking notes, you should just jot this down. It's real short. If I do nothing else in 2011... I will, then you fill in the blank. I'll say it again. If I do nothing else in 2011, I will. Now, I want you to fill in that blank. I want you to think that through for just a moment. 
If you do nothing else in 2011, I will what? Now, I've been pondering that for a few days, actually for over a week, been thinking about this. If I do nothing else in 2011, I will. Now, that was, I don't know about you, it's hard for me to break that down to one thing. And I'm a preacher, so I broke it down to three. I think in threes, I can't help it. I, you know, I've tried to think in ones and twos, it just doesn't work. I've been doing this too long. So I've got three things that I want to I share with you what's on my heart and what, is in, what my passion is. I'm going I'm to treat you like family today, is that all right? I'm going to get real personal with you and tell you kind of my top three, because I think it will encourage you. And listen, if it resonates with you, you should grab hold of it. You can rephrase it any way you want and put it into your own heart. Put it in your own language. But this, if I do nothing else in 2011, these three things I'm going to do. And the first one's already up there. And is this. I'm going to pray passionately. Now, what I, what I mean by passionately it means I'm going to pray with energy. It means I'm going to come in with faith. I'm going to come in with enthusiasm. I don't know about you, but I, we do a 930 prayer meeting in here. And I love it. I absolutely love it. When we're about 15 minutes into it. When we first get there, everybody's in there hoping donuts are there, hoping the coffee's on. And, you know, we're just like everybody else. We come in and, and you know, we have a little chit-chat, don't we? We hug and high-five. And then all three of us start praying. 15 minutes, I look up because I hadn't opened my eyes and 20 people are in there. It's awesome. It's awesome. But, uh, but I want to encourage you to, to get in your mindset. You know, if I do nothing else in 2011, I'm going to pray with passion. And when I say with passion, I mean praying with faith. I mean praying with expectation. I mean beginning to really believe that God wants to do something. He says, look, be utterly amazed. Be astounded. You, you wouldn't even believe it if I told you what I was going to do. So I'm thinking he wants to do some things. And he's waiting for me to give some energy to that through my prayers. So I'm going to begin to pray passionately. I'm going to begin to pray with big faith. I'm going to begin to dare to ask. In Philippians chapter 4, we're told to ask. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will literally guard. It will garrison your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5. We'll have it up on the screen for you. 1 Thessalonians says this. Be joyful sometimes. <laughs> be joyful if you have a good hair day. Be joyful always. Now, we can do that because we understand the principle that the joy of the Lord is our strength, which means if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the joy of the Lord is our strength, and that strength stays, then we have a never-ending, stable, consistent reservoir of joy to tap into. Amen? Does this make sense? Follow the logic train. So you can tap into that and know that even no matter on your worst day, you can tap into a joy that's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. The joy of the Lord is our... He says, be joyful always. Pray continually. Another translation says, pray without ceasing. I don't know if I can do that. See, I'm in class, and I don't know if I can pray. I only pray when I'm about to take a test. Amen? We, we crash study and we crash pray sometimes. But, but, or I work, and, and in my nature of work, I've got to be all in, and I can't really, really pray. No, no, actually, you can't. You can, you can shift your running conversation. You've got an inner dialogue going on. It's a little scary. If, if, you, get, if you add two or three more in there, it gets really scary. But, I mean, you have an inner dialogue going where you're literally talking and, and having a conversation. Begin to turn that outward to Him and begin to have your dialogue with Heaven, with Father, with God. 
and begin to talk, practice his presence is what that's called. I love that, that whole discipline, that attitude of praying continually, praying without ceasing, which means when I'm driving down the road, when somebody cuts me off on East South 11th, and I have my imaginary Uzi. Come on, somebody. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Mounted on the front of my car <laughs> with a big old red button, you know. I feel like a maverick. Okay, I'm locked. I've got tone. I've got tone, you know. But it's just it's this attitude of praying continually. But I don't want to just pray continually. I want to pray passionately. I want to pray passionately. Look what he says. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will. All those are God's will. Not just the one. All of those are God's will. To be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all concerns. That is God's will for us. Well, I want to know what God's will is for my life. Be happy. Be joyful. Pray without ceasing. And give thanks in everything. There's God's will. There you got it. Well, I want a personal word. Does it get more personal than this? All right, let's go to the next scripture. Check this one out. This is Jesus speaking, and it was in a situation where people were doing things in the temple, in the house of God, that, that were, they, they were selling indulgences, and they were, they were actually money-changing. I mean, they were just, the temple had just become another nice place for shade as they were applying their trade. And Jesus comes in, and of course we know Jesus to never get angry, right? He never had real emotions like a real person. No, Jesus comes in and throws down, all right? He, he pulls a Chuck Norris on these guys and literally throws them out. Now, we like to see Jesus as the lamb, but you know, he's a lion too, folks. Amen? All right? He's not just a girly man. He's a manly man, all right? He comes in, pulls a Chuck Norris, and he says he throws them out, literally, physically. Would Jesus do that? Yes, he did. It is written, he says straight up, he said to them, My house, and this is God speaking, he's quoting the Old Testament, My house will be called a house of prayer. In another translation, the other gospel is for all nations. Will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. In other words, we do know that, that the house of God is a house of worship. We do know that it's a house, a place to come and be discipled and be schooled in the things of God. But Jesus flat out says, and God himself says, it's a house of prayer. It's a house of prayer. But did you know that in most churches, it's the thing we do the least in the house? We somehow have made prayer such a privatized individual thing an individual discipline. So we just we just assume that all of you came in prayed up. But you know what? I'm a human being and I know that's not the case. Because I know there are times I don't come in prayed up. So we're trying different things to make sure. One is having our daughter pray because she's a machine. She's memorized prayers that avail much. And she's, she's, she's awesome. She kicks us off every night before bed. We do it as a family. But, but on, my, on my own, I've got to come in too. But, but I've got to know that I can come to a church that says we, we value prayer. We don't want to just relegate it to some side meeting. We're going to pray today before we go. We're going to pray for the shooting that happened in Arizona. We need, to, we need to be aware of what's going on in our world and pray and believe God to be involved in those situations. Amen? We need to be a house of prayer. So we need to do that as a house. But I want to personally pray more passionately. I'm tired of getting out prayed by people from Nigeria. Come on. 
You get around people from other nations and all of a sudden there's faith in the room, faith in the house. You get around a bunch of Americans. We're just like, oh, Lord Jesus. We just thank you for grace. Thank you for your mercy. I mean, come on. When are we going to get passionate? When are we going to get fired? When are we going to quit worrying about what everybody thinks because we're so dignified? When are we going to loosen our tie and pray? Oh, some, some of you almost fall, fell out of the spirit. You saw me wearing a suit today, but uh, I did this to keep Annette off guard. I got to keep her off balance. You know what I mean? But when are we going to quit being around other groups of people and go, boy, they pray hard. Man, they're passionate. Wow, they're on fire. Why can't we be? Some of you have not even thought about coming to our 930 prayer time. You know, we could do what other churches, we could do it on an off night and then just put a mandate on you. You need to be there and guilt you into it and make you lose another night out of your schedule. Or you could come a little bit early on a Sunday morning and see what's going on in that room across the hall. Let me tell you something. Anybody that got saved this last year is a result of what happened in that room. People have come into this church. People have been baptized, a bunch of people this last year. And let me tell you, it started in that room back there as we were touching the throne of God through prayer, corporately. Amen? Is anybody feeling bad about not coming? Oh, come on. You should a little. Okay, I'm out trying to condemn, but, you know, asking the Lord to convict anyway. No condemnation, but let me tell you something. It will it will change your it'll change the way you walk into this room on a Sunday morning. You will have already had church. And then all this is just cherries on top and nuts and whipped cream. Whoop cream. You know what I'm talking about? It just becomes bonus. Amen. All right. Everybody getting the message on this? Nine thirty Sunday morning? Come check it out. Now listen, it's not it's not all sweet either. It might be a little, little, little up for you. It might be a little tough. You, you just come in ready, okay? All right. Well, you may hear a word of prophecy released. You may, you may hear an exhortation that's strong. You may hear somebody speaking in another language that you know not of. But let me tell you something. You need to come and expose yourself to people that are going after God. Amen. Amen. All right. Good. I'm excited to see what's going to happen next Sunday. Hey, I wouldn't be your pastor if I didn't call you up. Amen. Amen. All right. Next thing, I'm going to pray passionately. What are you going to do in 2011? Here's, here's another thing I'm going to do. I'm going to give extravagantly. I know I talk about this a lot, but this is, this is critical. You've got to understand, we will not... Look at me, everybody. Just, just, let, me just, let me love you for a sec. We will not get the gospel around the world. We will not fund missions. We will not help plant new churches throughout the Texas, throughout Texas, the nation, the world. We will not do it with a sock board and a flannel gram. I mean, a sock puppet and a flannel board. We, it's going to take real money to do what we do. But the beauty of it is, is that God knew that. So God installed a way to provide and resource the house and a way to resource the kingdom with literally more than enough. And if we did what God gave us, just the little, just the minimum of what he gave us to do, did you know that we would never have to preach on giving? Now, we would because we need to disciple. It's just critical. We have to disciple. But we would never have to ask or take up a special offering. 
We'd never need to do a a catch-up offering. We would never need to worry about any of those things if we all did the very basic thing, and that is called the tithe. But let me just say something about that. It's just the start. It's only the beginning point. And, and we got a hold of this a long time ago, Annette and I, and it's been such a privilege and a pleasure to do it. And we love it and we get excited about it. But the weird thing about it is, is that when we're in another congregation or another place and somebody talks about giving, we're, we're going, yeah, amen. We're excited because we have that spirit and that, that, that passion on us. But let me tell you, before we did this and when we did not have an understanding of this, when somebody talked about money like I am right now, we got nervous. We got tense. And then we started to suspect, ooh, I know what they really want. Oh, I you know why that happens is because our heart is so tied to mammon. So that any time it's brought up, all of a sudden we get weird about it. Now, we don't get weird about it when, when the National Football League's asking for your money when you go to a game. We don't get weird about it when, when uh, BET, MTV, and VH1 are trying to, to scarf all they can out of the next generation, by the way. They're targeted and marketed. We don't get upset when we see it out in the world. But in the church, where it should be a non-issue, it suddenly becomes an issue and people become suspect because of a few goofballs, squirrels, and flakes have abused it. Amen? Amen. So it's ruined it for everybody, unfortunately. But what it's done really, though, is the enemy has come in and created controversy so that you now are cut off from being able to give and then receive. You, you get out of the flow of God. And it's a shame. But Annette and I have committed. I mean, we just want to give radically. We want to, we want to be, just be extravagant. And whether that's giving away a guitar to a youth in our church that needs it or, 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 or giving time or giving up a hotel room or whatever, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just stuff at the end of the day. But it can sure be a blessing to somebody else. And so we're just, God, whatever, wherever, whenever, just tell us. Man, you never know. You may be standing in line at Starbucks and somebody pays for your, your double tall non-fat vanilla latte. And you're like, whoa, what do you mean somebody paid for it? And I'm over there going, enjoy. You just never know. The Holy Spirit speaks. You just do what you do. I did that in a McDonald's line. And, and I was I pulled up. And I just I didn't. Now, what I didn't do, because if you do this, it'll mess you up. I had already made up my mind. I was going to pay for whoever's behind me. I was hoping it wasn't a van load of kids or something. But you know what I mean? But, but So I didn't look on purpose. I just pulled up and I said... To the to the the girl waiting on me, I said, "I'm also going to pay for that order behind me." And she goes, "What? Do you know them?" I said, "No," and I didn't even look back. I said, "How much is it?" You know, <laughs> seven hundred. No, school bus, yellow dog school bus. No, it wasn't. It was just family, and it wasn't much. And I just did it, and she, that it blew. I don't know what the family thought because I didn't stop to go. Okay, now come pat me on the back, make me feel good. It's like no, I I didn't even look back. I just drove on, and I just felt really good. It was a good feeling. But you know what? It impacted that girl working the window. She's like, just scratching her head like, are you crazy? I'm like, I just want to bless them back there. She's leaning out, looking. I I was resisting. And I said it wasn't much. But you know what? Little things like that, little random acts of generosity where you just like, you know what? Jeez. Standing in line. How many times has this happened to you? Standing in line at, at a store and somebody in front of you. I mean, how many times has this happened where they're digging through their change? Because you know, 
They just don't have much. And they're just, they're, they're trying, but they, it doesn't seem, and then you can see, you know, setting something off to the side. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what you should do? How hard is it to pay for that oatmeal? Come on. How, how difficult is it to just say, oh, don't worry, I'll take care of that. It's no big deal. Let me tell you something. That attracts God. That attracts Him. You don't do it to be seen either. I feel funky even talking about all this, but you do it because the heart in you is the heart of Jesus. And if you really have the heart of Jesus, generosity is a non-issue. And so when we come up and we have a short fall, we have to say, gosh, guys, we've got to make up a whatever. We have a bad, maybe we have a snow day or something. We have to make up an offering or whatever. You know, it's just like, okay, no problem. No big deal. But when you don't have the heart of Jesus and you just live in offense and you live suspect and you live critically and everything, everybody's out to get me, then it's like, ah. So we're committed to this. We're going to be extravagant in our giving. Next thing. Let me, let me read the scripture to you. Second Corinthians 9. Sorry. Remember this. This is Paul saying, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's funny how the world's talking about this. It's karma. It's karma. It's, if you watch HTV, everything's karma. It's going to come back on you. And, you know, feng shui and all that. It's like, geez, come on. Can we just, uh, just, just get it back to what it is? What goes around comes around, as Mama used to say. As you sow, you reap. It's just very simple. Let's go to the next verse. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart. See, this is where it gets back to the heart. We just quit putting a calculator to it. Well, Annette, maybe not. She's a calculator person. But I don't care. I don't look anymore. I don't, uh, are we, oh, I'm at 9.9%. I better bump that up a little bit. Or I'm at, I'm at 11%. I'm going to back off. I'm not going to tell you what we gave, but let me tell you something. We blew past 10% a long time ago. And let me tell you, we're blessed for it. And so when somebody gets up and does what I'm doing, instead of sweating bullets, I just get excited. This is fun stuff. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Not, not in that guilty, oh, I have to do this. No, I get to do this. The book of Isaiah says, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Not just obedient, but willing. A heart that's willing. Not reluctant under compulsion. For God loves a happy giver, a cheerful giver. And I've been in churches where they'll make you laugh when you give. That's kind of weird. But, uh, but I do get happy. I'm excited and, and a will to do. Amen? Next verse. And God is able. Someone say God is able. Let me ask you a question. If God created Australia, you think he can take care of your pocketbook? Come on. Seriously. If God gave somebody the idea for cinnamon toast, you think he can handle your situation? Sorry, I love cinnamon toast. Things we value. He says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. What is grace? God's power, God's strength, God's ability, and God's favor to do what you in and of yourself cannot do. That's what grace is. He makes all that abound to you. Abound, that means abundance, more. So that in all things, someone say all things. At all times, someone say all times. Having all that you need, say all that you need. What he says, you will abound in every good work. See, generosity is just one more part of the equation of being all in. Amen. Remember that message that Pastor Brian 
all in. When the youth had our service a couple, I still that hits me. Are you all in? Are you all? In? We're all in. Amen. All right. Last thing. What are you going to do in 2011? Have you answered it? I will. I will. I'm going to pray. Pray with passion. I'm going to give extravagantly, and then I'm going to love. Look at this. I'm going to love unconditionally. This. They're all important, but this may be the biggest. This is the one that trumps everything. Because if you get this down, then the pray thing is a non-issue and the giving thing is a non-issue. When you get the love walk, I remember Joyce Myers talking about when she started really getting a revelation of love. And she said that she titled the CD series. You know, she always does these CD series and we have several. And we enjoy her teaching. And she said that when she titled it, you know, the love walk or whatever, she says the least, the least uh, demanded series she ever put out and she's like for her it was the most important thing she ever preached in her life and yet it was the least in demand she said that gave her a clue about our culture as christians because it's mostly christians that go to her conference she said that's a scary thought to think that the thing that is the most important thing we could possibly do is the thing that we all think we know is that not the ultimate deception the ultimate deception, you only are deceived if you think you know, but you don't. So you don't know you're deceived, because if you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be deceived, right? I cannot say that again if I tried <laughs> to listen to the podcast. But this idea of loving without condition, and let me tell you something. As soon as you say, I'm determined to do this, you will be tested. Amen? Amen? Actually, you'll be tested no matter what on this one because this is the core. This is, this is what it's about. Now, look at our scripture, and there's so many. I just picked one because there's a million of them. But this one really captures it. It says this, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all. Someone say all. You notice there's a lot of alls in these scriptures we've been reading. With all your heart, with all your soul, your soul is, is everything. It's the seat of the mind, will, and emotions. Your body, it's everything. The soul is, is the, it's the whole part. It's all you put together. That's your soul. It's not your spirit. It's your soul. It's everything. It's all those combined. Loving with all your heart. That's what's in here. That's your motivator. It's your driver. It's your engine. With all your heart, with all your soul, that's who you are completely. And with all your mind. That pretty well covers everything. One of the other, uh, in the other gospel, it says, it adds in with all your strength, which it's all, it's all inclusive. In other words, love him with everything. Then look what it says. This is the first and greatest commandment. So we already now have learned today what the will of God is. Be joyful, be thankful, and pray without ceasing. Now we're hearing what the first and greatest, what a way to start a new year with knowing, okay, God, what's your top What's the top three? And here they are. And here it is. That's the first and greatest to love him. Now, look what it says, because it doesn't stop there. We're cool with the first ones, the second one that gets us. And the second is like it. Another translation says, and a second is like unto the first is what it literally means. And a second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You say, well, I don't love myself. I'd like to get a little off these hips. I'd like to get this nose fixed. I, no, no, no. We're not talking about the external goofy stuff. That's all going to burn up and decay with the earth suit anyway, okay? 
what this is talking about is that core of you that says, I've got to preserve me. Because at the end of the day, you can say you don't love yourself. And maybe you, maybe you don't have a great self-esteem, self-image and all that. But at the end of the day, if somebody was going to try to kill you, you would defend because you're going to protect life. It's innate in us. We can't help it. We can't help it. It's, it's innate. And he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because how many of you know we can get what we want if we want it? We can manipulate what we need if we need it or want it. We know how to take care of ourselves. Amen? We will manipulate people. We will do things to take care of us. He says, you need to love other people as much as you love you. He even says, look at the next line. This sums it all up. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. In other words, it's all rolled up into this one thing. Praying, praying. What are you going to do in 2011? It's answer our statement, okay? If I do nothing else in 2011, I will pray passionately, give extravagantly, and love unconditionally. If these resonate with you, just grab them say, that's mine. That's mine. I'm going to resonate with that. Can we pray together? Let's bow your head and close your eyes. Have our worship team come on up. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, we're excited about a new year. I'm excited about this new year. There are some things I want to prioritize and, and get in order in my life. Praying, passionately, giving extravagantly, loving unconditionally. Lord, I want that character and nature of Christ to, to be seen in me. Father, I pray for every person here today that there would just be something inside them that resonates with these three things. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to literally draw up and out of us that which has been covered, that which has been hindered, that which has been buried through tough times. Your word says that the heart deferred or hope deferred makes the heart sick. And for those who've had hope deferred, I pray, Lord, that, that there would be something that they would see into this new year as they look ahead and see that my future is so bright, I've got to put on shades because I know my hope will not be indefinitely deferred. I have hope. I have hope. Just in your own heart, would you just decide and say, you know what, I'm making a quality decision today that I'm going to look with the eyes of faith into 2011. I'm going to believe that God is on the scene, on the throne, and working, working on my behalf because He loves me. Because He cares for me. Because He's carrying me. I am by faith going to do that. If you're here this morning, what a way to start a new year than to say, you know what, I'm going to step over the line to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to give Him my heart. I'm going to give Him my life. I'm going to give Him everything I am. And I'm going to let Him begin to teach me, disciple me, and lead me into a greater understanding.